Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk, a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars. I'm Blair Beavers, and here's your host, Leanne Sims. Welcome listeners, both of you. Just kidding. (laughs) So I'm super excited about our podcast tonight because she is an amazing woman, um, she's an icon really here in Columbus. I've seen her everywhere. I don't even know how she has the time to come and talk to us, but I'm grateful that she <laughs> has found the time. I've seen her in uh, magazines, a big spread in 614 magazine. I've seen her just on, recently. Yeah. I've seen her, um, in videos and she's just all over the place. And I'm going to call her Madam President from now on, um, and I'll tell you why in just a second, but uh, Madam President Christina Basham, welcome to Hi, our thank podcast. thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Um, so you are a independent consultant. Yes. You put together drink programs for bars. I do. You are the brand ambassador for Middle West Spirits. I'm actually a sales manager. Okay. Yeah. So I have was the brand ambassador for... About two years. So I've been in sales technically for about the last year. And you just created a new business called Bubbles and Agave. I did. Mm-hmm. Congratulations thank on that. You. Sounds wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And then finally, you are the newly elected president of the United States Bartenders Guild Columbus chapter. That's true. Congratulations thank on you. that. <laughs> Is that something that you aspired to for a long time? Uh, you know, the USBG was something that was really intimidating to me at first. So I think uh, when I joined, you know, I joined the guild summer of 15, um, I felt really out of my league and really quickly realized that I was where I was supposed to be. Um, I joined the board about four months after that. They asked me to come on board because I was so nerdy and I was at every education event. And they're like, hey, we really need like a director of education. We want to create this new position um, because we just don't have the time to focus on it. It seems like that'd be something that you'd be interested in. I said, absolutely. So at the time, Annie Williams Pierce was the secretary. So she actually is the one who pitched it to me. And so I wrote like a proposal and, um, they said, great. Sounds like you're mostly organized and mostly passionate. So, <laughs> um, so I joined the board November of 15 and then, you know, stayed in that role for an, a year after that. And then when kind of the elections came about, Um, I was really torn because I was really excited and I wanted to do good and I wanted to actually have a little bit of power to be able to flex my muscles. But um, to be honest, at the time, I thought to run for a a president or VP position, you had to have two years on the board, which was wrong. Um, So I ran for secretary and got that. And in hindsight, you know, um, the universe knows better than I do. So I'm actually really thankful for the two years as secretary because I think that I got to understand how the board works a lot better, um, both our strengths and our weaknesses. And it helped me really create a really clear path to what I thought we needed to do to be better and like be better for our members and, and be able to give back and all these things that I really wanted to, these paths of change I wanted to create. I, I knew that like, now I feel like I'm where I belong, whereas I think I would have felt a little bit not ready. <laughs> so, Madam President, I saw that uh, 
I saw you're <laughs> going to be heading to a charity, USBG National Charity yeah, Function. So, Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, incredible. <clears throat> so the USBG um, National Char- Charity Foundation, I cannot tell you when it was created, but I can tell you that when um, I applied for what they call the the Patron Hacienda trip or the immersion trip, um, so as w- once you're a member of the USBG, there are a lot of uh, educational opportunities and a lot of them have to do with travel a lot of them are brand sponsored and and for me they're so uh, invaluable um, and I've been really lucky to be able to participate in a few of them so uh, February of 17 um, well in the fall of 16 I applied and I got put on the trip and it was actually the first Patron trip that was paired with the charity foundation so before they used to send people down illegally take you into their agave fields, um, walk you through their distillery, and send you home and hope that you sold more Patron. But this one, we actually worked um, in a um, food bank. Oh, food bank. Um, they basically paired us with a food bank in uh, in Mexico, and we got to work with them, and then we got to physically pass out the goods that we had like kind of boxed up and organized to people. Um, and uh, it was... It was actually really incredible. Um, seeing there was a woman who was like 85 and had walked two and a half hours to come get the goods that we had prepared for them, and um, yeah, it was <laughs> it was really awesome. Cool it was like they, I get emotional thinking about it now. Together. Yeah, because um, you, I mean, you you want to do good, you know, and you want to use what you do your craft for good. But um, growing up really poor, um, and not that poor, but um, it's really cool to see brands spending money because the Lord knows the big ones have plenty of it for good. And, um, I know a lot of it is like highlighting their brand and, and, and building loyalty, but it was pretty amazing. So that was the first that I'd really heard of the national charity foundation. Um, so it's paired with USBG, but it's like a secondary or kind of alignment with them. So, um, I applied for a trip to Amsterdam, um, and they just kind of asked, it was like four or five essay questions, like, what do you do in your community? Um, why is philanthropy and charity important to you? And um, I applied, and, and somehow I got in. So You do awesome. other stuff, philanthropic stuff within the community, don't you? Don't, aren't you part of, like... I feel like I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I know you help us out a lot. You and, and your fiancé, Jennifer, um, for always sure. help oh. us with our Pelotonia fundraiser, always. which we're we love that. so grateful for. We love that. That's Absolutely. easy. That's easy and so much fun. Um, I'd actually been really... Um, one of the th- one of my platforms in my new position with the Guild was that I, I have been desperately begging to create partners like charity partners with the guild and do at least quarterly hands-on volunteer activities um it was just something with our chapter with our not not lack of leadership but you know it's a it's a small volunteer board everybody's really busy um it was something we talked about every meeting it never happened and um that was something that's just really important to me so um i'm a core ambassador which is um a national organization. It's it stands for the Children of Restaurant Employees, and um, I haven't gotten to do anything hands on yet. But the idea is, um, if in your region they decide to or are able to support an ask, um, it's kind of like a mini, mini, mini Make a Wish. Um, so sometimes they can help out financially, or 
you know, with visits or whatever. So I haven't been able to physically do anything yet, but it's which wonderful. means that there's no one close to us, which is a need, which that's also the best, but. Um, that's so great that you do that. We're very. It's great that that exists. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, most people in the industry don't have insurance. It's a huge issue. Right. So this is a way to help, you know, if something does happen and not to say there aren't people in need. I'm sure there are. They just don't know that it exists. So if you're out there and you've had an unfortunate situation happen, contact them. Most bartenders don't have health insurance. It's not offered by the bars. I would say if you work for a larger company. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little more likely, but I would say on average, the majority of bartenders do not have health insurance. Oh, that's a shame. And, uh, you know, there are options to buy in and there are, you know, all these, but it's so expensive. And I will say that as a young bartender, I didn't deem it, I didn't think it was necessary. And also when you're surrounded by everyone else and either they don't have insurance either, you mm -hmm. know, and you're just like, I'm young, I'll figure it out. Nothing's right. going to happen to me. I was actually, I had a, a huge scare. I mean, well wasn't a scare it was it happened but um i got really lucky when scott hayfler who owned wall street nightclub for like the last nine of the ten years it was open about um when he brought me on to manage for him i was well that was 2008 so uh, i was 26 maybe 27 and didn't have insurance and one of his requirements for being a manager was that like he paid half of your health insurance and you paid the other half mm -hmm. and you couldn't take the position and not have insurance. Mm -hmm. And it was just such forward thinking. And I remember being like, but I want that $160 for something else, you know? Um, what an idiot. Uh, <laughs> such a small, you know, especially like I think back to those young. days, like I was making so much money, like, you know, but you spend it as quickly. The amount of money I made and spent in my life makes me nauseous. Um, so ridiculous. But um, I started working for him in August of that year. And in December, I was rushed to the hospital from a bar shift on a Friday night because I had basically passed out behind the bar. And I had had this ongoing like health thing from when I was young. And I had doctors tell me that I had an ulcer and they would like strip my diet down to nothing and nothing. Would, and then I would like not really get better, but get better. And then of course not having insurance, I would have these like, uh, episodes which I found out later I was passing gallstones Oh, geez. like once a year, basically. And I would be just out of it for like 12 hours. Like the pain, it feels like an elephant is standing right here. That's the only way I can describe it. it is the most like dull and also intense pain you could ever imagine. So I'd been dealing with this for years and years. And like when I had like been at Ohio State and gone to the, you know, the whatever the clinic would be. And they're just like, well, I don't know. You know, they're not really like paying attention to me. And I'm like, okay, whatever. It's just me, whatever. So, um... Anyway, I get to the hospital and they're like, uh, something's really wrong. They do, um, what is ever the word for if you're pregnant, you get an ultrasound. ultrasound. Yes, thank you. And they're like, yeah, you have um, lifestyle choices paired with like, I guess I had a bile deficiency um, in my galls, like my gall, gall bladder. bladder. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had to, I was in the hospital for five days. I was on saline for four of the, the first four days. Wow. Um, couldn't eat, couldn't drink, couldn't even have water. And then they, they did, uh, uh, there was a first kind of surgery procedure, more procedure, and then a secondary surgery. I had a laparoscopy. So, you know, I was out of, I was in the hospital five days. And at the end of it, I had a $65,000 medical bill. Oh, wow. $65,000, you know, and mm. I had a $200 or $2,000 bill. That's awesome. That I was responsible for. But like, if Scott had, I mean, can you imagine? Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I would have been like, bankruptcy, hello, you know, right. let's start yeah. over. By my mid-30s, I'll be, right. you know. <laughs> And I know a lot of bartenders end up having plantar fasciitis from standing on oh, yeah. their feet so much. Oh, but yeah. I would think that would be covered by workers' comp. Is there any type of education within the USBG that informs bartenders We're working about on a lot. Rights? We've had, you know, a few years ago during, like, education focus, we worked on, we actually did a Thai yoga massage class with Charles Gibson, who's amazing. Um, and it was, I wanted to do that specifically for a few reasons. I love Charles. He's just seems to really get it. I also felt like there wasn't, he didn't judge like when I was having the initial conversation with him, I didn't feel like I was being judged for my like lack of taking care of myself. You know, um, he really just wanted to connect with people and to like share his passion for this. And also it made us, you know, we worked in pairs. Um, it made us touch each other. It created an intimacy that I think, you know, you work in restaurants and there's a lot of like physical closeness, but like it lacks a lot of intimacy sometimes. It can be really superficial, especially when you have to be on for your guest. Mm -hmm. So it kind of forced this like touching um, that I think made people really uncomfortable at first. <laughs> but I think we all left at the end and felt like super refreshed. And um, I don't know, you kind of felt like a little bit more vulnerable in a great way. And I don't know, it was really awesome. So um, every week during the USBG National um, does an education week, an initiative. It's like the second week of October every year. Um, we try to do something related to health and wellness, um, but it is part of something that we're going to try to do more often. Um, we Last year for Education Week, we did a financial wellness seminar, um, brunch and, Aperol Brunch and Benny's. Um, and yeah, I think the physical wellness is something that we need to focus on, especially like when I was at Tails mm -hmm. last year, they're doing kind of more health-related stuff and stretching exercises. And um, at regional conferences, there's usually a seminar or two on... Um, how to take care of better care of your body while you're behind that's, the stick. That's good to know. That's so important. So you're also, um, I, I don't remember the term, but you're an ambassador to the city of Columbus. Oh, I'm a CTA. Okay. Tell um, us <laughs> it's which, a which stands for certified tourism ambassador. Okay. So it's a national, it's actually an international network, um, through experience Columbus and, um, I don't know. I just get to, you know, I think it's uh, all walks of life kind of go in and take a class and take a, a little test. And um, Jennifer made fun of me because they send you this big binder. And I had tabs on like every three pages because it's a ton of like history and and landmark related things. And um, I'm like, oh, if I'm going to take a test, I've got him. And then it was like 25 <laughs> questions. And, you know, I'm like, so that was a lot of I spent 12 hours studying that book. OK, because um, it's not anything you can't access. But yeah, ultimately, um, you know, the, the goal of CTAs is to um, enrich the cloth of, of the city and the fabric of the city and um, and help Columbus kind of just, I don't know, be, be, be better and, and, and educate people who may not know about the city. And so you and have a guides. little pin. I have, you... a little, I have a little gold star lapel pin so blair and i talked about this and we were thinking since we do the columbus craft cocktail tour that one of us should do totally. that and my fear is that i am like the worst at directions mm. i can get <laughs> i can it's get true. lost she in is. a paper bag so i was i was like if i'm wearing one she's of these great pins, at history but 
wouldn't know how to tell people to get <laughs> If to I'm Texas. wearing a pin and somebody asks me how to get somewhere, I would like send them in the wrong direction. You just tell them to get Google Maps or Waze. Okay, maybe yeah. I'll do that. If, if do they that. don't have like a GPS in their in their on their phone, then I don't know. I mean, you probably shouldn't be talking to them probably anyway. Be some little old lady and I'd send her like to the wrong area. Be like in that general direction is where it is. Let's Google the address together. Um, yeah, it's kind of a pretty cool thing. And the idea is, is that like if I know I'm traveling to another city, I can kind of reach out to that network because um, we all have like a, a an online login and you kind of record points. So for everything that you do that has like relevancy, you get points and then you basically just kind of keeps you current, if you will. So they just, for me, it's easy because of my job and my lifestyle. Like I'm constantly touching people, places and things that they want you to. Um, there are a lot of people who are like retired or semi-retired who do it just to kind of stay involved. And I think that's really cool. Um, Middle West, we're actually putting together a package to do like discounted tours and like discounted service, service bar, um, uh, tickets and stuff like that to like encourage them. I think we're going to try to do some like quarterly CTA happy hours or something. Cool. So you were a bartender for a long time. You worked in the industry and then you went to work for Middle West Spirits. What's it like working for a small distillery? Well, never having had worked for a larger distillery, um, you know, my path was threefold with Middle West. So I started off as their brand ambassador, which was um, I was the kind of GM and bar creative at Poly G's in the short north at the time. And um, I had been kind of doing cocktail development for them. Uh, Josh would kind of, I, I was, you know, when I was managing the kitchen, uh, doing their event sales and their beverage director, I was like staging cocktails with their bottles. And God love Facebook because this day on and i'm like that is the worst picture that cocktail <laughs> looks terrible what was i doing those are maraschino cherries christina um <laughs> but i was like staging cocktails and like so excited and um you know i think um there weren't a ton of people doing that on social media at the time mm -hmm. and um somehow i you know i, I met you know, Josh, when he was Josh Daly, my boss, director of sales and kind of the glue that holds Middle West together, he had called on our account and we got along really well. And I said, oh, my gosh, I just love OYO and these are all the cool things I do with it. And um, so he would like say, hey, we're doing like an event at Franklin Park Conservatory. Would you like to can you write a recipe for us um, and we'll put your name on it? Like, we'll put, like, the cocktail and your name on it. And I'm like, that is, like, the coolest thing at the time. <laughs> and still now, clearly. Um, and so started doing that. And then, uh, you know, Molly Meyer moved into a sales position. And uh, she's no longer with us. She's actually the event manager at Strongwater. But um, she just needed, like, cocktail development assistance. Um, I think that we were kind of gaining traction. And um, it just wasn't something she was super comfortable with. And I think they kind of wanted... A secondary person but not somebody they had to pay a legitimate salary to which is smart and so they kind of said hey would you you know and I know that um, there were a couple of the people who were kind of in the running and at first they were like we'd love you to do it but you're a little bit too busy and I said I will make time so <laughs> I basically yeah. told them that they couldn't tell me no <laughs> and so started off as that and then um, did that for like about a year, year and a half. Um, and they, when they hired the beverage director at Service Bar, I wasn't really needed anymore because they kind of had that person. And then um, just a few months after that, I left the manage management position I was in and helped open up Service Bar um, behind the bar, kind of doing like bar supervisor, did a lot of admin, helped set up a lot of their infrastructure for the bar. And Service um, Bar is the name of the restaurant. That's our restaurant. Yeah. 
So did that for five or six months, and um, I think I was kind of itching. I loved I loved that, but I think I was already kind of at the point where I wanted to do something else, and um, and Molly decided to to change direction and. I remember thinking, I have to, t- I have to show them that I can be a salesperson because I'm not a salesperson. Um, really? Ugh, no, I don't. It grosses me out. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is how I look at what I do. I look at what I do. Like I clearly have a passion for this brand, good, bad, or ugly. And we joke all the time that like, you guys, like I've been with you three years. You're never, ever going to be rid of me, even if I quit tomorrow, because like, my name and that brand are so synonymous over the last three years. Um, so I feel like I use the portfolio as a vessel to kind of educate people um, and to kind of like show local pride and to encourage people to put money back into their local economy. And so for me, it has like lots of other legs. But it's um, still sales. It's just not the swarmy yeah, sales. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's still sales. Though. I still, but I don't love, she I don't love the ask. Yeah. I'm not someone who like Julia, my sell. counterpart. She like she is self-identified. Like she is a junkyard dog. She loves the chase. She loves like she loves that. Like that is not the thing that gets me excited mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Like building a legitimate relationship and partnership with someone and really feeling like I can add value to what they're doing. I can teach them to fish. I can give them a better understanding of what they're doing if I can. And they, and and there are lots of places that know more than me, but those don't typically end up being the places that I, you know, we have a relationship, they feature our spirit, they love it. And that's wonderful. But there are a lot of like maybe neighborhood bars or, you know, bars that wouldn't consider themselves craft that I, I hope over the last year I've helped to kind of elevate a bit or, or make them maybe a little more relevant. And like, whether it's their cocktail builds or the way that they price their cocktails, even I think there's just like a lot of, uh, there are a lot of bar managers who aren't really equipped, um, who've never really had proper training. So they get kind of thrown into situations cause they're, they have great personality and they're willing to work, but like they're never really trained to like what that really looks like to be efficient and organized. And like, this is how you inventory and this is how you would cost a cocktail and like that kind of stuff. So, so you help them with the whole Yeah. Thing, it typically just... falls into a, a much larger you know. <laughs> now, is that just something you do or is that a part of the job? It's a part of the job for me. Okay. Um, I just don't feel comfortable like saying, hey, do you like our vodka? Awesome. High five. See you later. Um, also, like when I think about the, the way my personal commission is structured versus the way um, somebody from maybe RNDC or Southern, you know, a broker or distributor versus me being on supplier side where Essentially, I'm a specialist. You know, I have 12 SKUs. That's all I talk about. Um, unless I'm writing a menu for you and you need a tequila or a rum. And then I can tell you what you should do, probably do for your margins and what you, you know, can afford to do. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I think there's so much more to, like, so many larger conversations that you can have with people. And the way that you maybe become- an RDC is paid is they pay, they're paid on, like, an individual placement. So if they walk in and say... I'd like you to buy this bottle of vodka for me. And if they get 10 people to buy that bottle of vodka, then they get a bonus. And then they have maybe 20 programs that look like that. Well, I go in and say, please buy this bottle of vodka. Well, I probably make 45 cents on that bottle of vodka. So unless it has programming and education and all these other things tied to that bottle of vodka, it's a 45 cent 
you know, plus in my bank account that like they're kind of cussing me out under your breath. Cause you're like, why the hell did I bring this vodka in here? You're like dusting it in six months. Like this sucks. You know, like I don't ever want to be our brand to, I don't want our brand to like have that connection with it. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna support you. I want to help. I, if you like it, I'm like, let's figure it out together. Let's put our heads together. But otherwise, like I always say, like, don't do me the favor. Like I don't need a 45 cent favor. That's really smart. And I've noticed <laughs> that like, um, I'll see, um, you'll post something like the other day, I think it was Vim and Petal um, cocktail at um, Little shop? Palace, was it? Oh, little, yeah. I had yeah. Two, Vim, two Vim cocktails. That so day, I, yeah, I wondered about that, if that was something that you put together so that they would know how to use your product, which They is actually super have had that on the menu. Oh, really? Um, it, was, it came before me. It's been on the menu the entire time. It's one of their best sellers. It's delicious. It's really, I mean, it's like $8, so it's really affordable. So, yeah, I mean... My budget and my liver um, do not have the ability to drink and um, buy all the cocktails that we're featured in. I really try um, to get around and see everyone and know that, like, I'm thankful for their support and try to get them a little social buzz. You know, I'm not I'm not like an influencer or anything, but who knows? I don't know. People might see it and stop in. And that's kind of the goal. And also, I really love taking cocktail pictures. But it does seem like it's it's more about the relationship than just the sale. Oh, totally. So a thousand percent. That's why it's different. Yeah. And you don't consider yourself a salesperson. Yeah. You don't like that part of it, but it's still, it's still sales. Yeah. It's just a different way of approaching your job. Yeah. Well, she, she knows she's a salesperson. She just doesn't necessarily like <laughs> sales. The connotation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know what my business card says, but yeah, um, I think that, you know, there are a couple of us in the city who um, have like a legitimate cocktail background. And I mean, you know, a couple of us. Um, but I think reps, you know, the idea of what a rep is, is like not something people generally love. Like um, for Education Week for USBG, I hosted, a, hosted, but created, set up a round table. Um, and I had, you know, sales reps from different like there was a wine rep and a beer rep and a couple spirit reps. And it was kind of set up for everybody to talk about, like, how can we make better use of each other's time? How can we respect respect each other's time? What do you really need from me as a buyer? What do you really need from me as a rep? Um, because I just don't think there's enough transparency. Um, uh, and people are just, I don't know whether they're unwilling to talk about it or they're just too busy or they're really just used to interacting with like a rep who walks in and says, here's my book. As I throw peanuts all over the table. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, I think that's that's what a lot of people think of as a rep. A rep who comes in, um, who doesn't, you know, who sets up an appointment with you, um, doesn't show up on time. And I mean, I was that rep in the beginning because I'd stacked my appointments so close and I wouldn't think about like trying to find parking in downtown. Mm. So I was like, oh no, I'm going to be late. So sorry. Um, I stretch them out more. I give myself breathing room now. Um but yeah, it's like just like the rep who asks, who constantly asks for a favor, wants to try you on this new spirit that they have in their portfolio during happy hour. Now, I got really lucky. I never worked somewhere that was like really high volume. So I never had to have uncomfortable conversations about like uh, pay to play semantics and deals. And like nobody came to me to wheel and deal because like I wasn't going to sell enough of their stuff for them to matter. But I think that like because I was really passionate about cocktails and I was really, uh, I feel like I had a well-balanced menu of like local and larger brands that were representative of the people that I had relationships with. And I always really tried to highlight the spirit and, and also show love to the 
everyone that I could that mm-hmm. I had relationships with. Um, you know, that's where those were. That's where that came from. That's where my friendships came from. And I think it made it easier to transition because I could. I went to them and said, I went to Andemic, and I went to Alex Bocchino and Joe Rossman and um, you know Tammy King and Nicole Hollerman and said, like, what do I do? Like, what do I do? How do I do this? And then you know, three months in, here are my challenges. You know, help me. Um, help me not be so sensitive to this or help me, you know, organize my time a little better or, you know, so I really leaned on them um, when I switched over so that I could kind of just get a better grasp of what the heck I was doing. That's good that you had that support system. Absolutely. So at this point in the program, we usually stop and make a cocktail, but um, I thought we would do something a little different. Okay. And I know your company's name is Bubbles and Agave because oh, mm-hmm. you love bubbles and you love agave. I do. So I just happen to have Stop. a bottle of bubbles and a bubble Get a bottle of, here. of agave. So we're gonna take a break and we will open up our tequila and our yes. bubbles. <laughs> I love it. And we are back with a glass of champagne, which is Nicholas something or another. I don't know how to say that. It's a French champagne. It is a demi-sec rosé. And we have one of my all-time favorites, Casamigos Reposado, such a delicious mm-hmm. tequila. Mm-hmm. So what? grab whatever you want and let's cheers real quick. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Mmm. That's really tasty. Not bad, huh? No. Okay, now for the tequila. This is like the best thing ever, tequila, and you really know what you're talking about. I mean, (laughs) cheers again. Oh, sorry. Cheers. 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 And I didn't think they would, but they go really well um, together. So I don't know if you know the background of like how this happened. I want to know. <laughs> it's not super fancy, but uh, so my birthday is December 29th, which is like a very challenging time of year to have your birthday. And I always fight with myself about like, do I want to do something exciting, you know, or do I want to like everyone is tired from the holiday and probably preparing for New Year's. And then of course, being a bartender for almost my entire adult life like I was probably working um on my birthday or had worked a lot of days before and after so um we were out and about two or three years ago and um I wasn't scheduled to work I think it was earlier in the week maybe I don't quite remember but I always get kind of like paralysis by analysis when I would go out because you know it's me and my brain looking at a back bar going, oh, so many combinations of delicious things. And I just didn't know what I wanted to drink. And I would spend, I'd get into a conversation with someone and 15 minutes later, you know, the bartender who's probably my friend is like, Christina, what do you want to drink? You know, and I'm like, sorry. Um, you know, there's probably had been a fernet exchanged already at some point naturally. But, um, and a friend of mine, Shoshana goes, you know, you really like sparkling wine and you like tequila. Like, what are you just like? drink bubbles and agave and I was like bubbles and agave that's it all night that's all I'm drinking Mm -hmm. 
Well, it made my life much easier. Yeah. Especially if I went in somewhere that didn't have sparkling wine because I'm just like, I'll just take a club soda because we were like bar hopping that night. And I was like, you know, I had like many waves of like, you know, when I was younger, I drank like vodka and then I had a little like clear rum thing and, uh, you know, Jameson. I have no, I never need to ingest another drop of Jameson in my life. Um, and then a not to be named, uh, you know, mid-level bourbon um, that I drank copious amounts of and then moved over to rye. So I kind of had gone through like this, they've gone through this path of like all the different styles um, of spirit. And yeah, that had was a, my Tuesday. After <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday. Um, I tend to be like, I'm going to stick with this for a couple of years. That's kind of what I did. Um, and I didn't usually introduce something else. Uh, maybe if it was like in shop form, but generally speaking, not as a cocktail or whatever. Um, I think at the end of the day, I always really liked, like I was a beer and a shot drinker. Like that's what I just preferred to drink. I'll have a nice cocktail, but also like if I'm three or four hours into my night, I'm not going to waste money on buying a nice cocktail because I'm not going to appreciate it. That's I don't want point. you to waste your time on making it for me because my palate's done. It's about the process here. <laughs> right. So um, that's kind of how you know, the whole Bubbles and Gave thing started. And I liked the way it made me feel, which sounds silly, but I think like as I got older, dark spirits got a little tricky for me. Like they... It wasn't something I felt like I could drink all evening. So then I'd feel like I'd be drinking dark spirit. And then at some point I was going to have to change gears, which means taking spirits out completely. I don't know. Just it didn't get jerky, but it just got. And I also like would be like have an upset stomach the next day after drinking like bourbon all night or rye all night. I'm like, this sucks. But and so then with this, like I remember waking up the next day being like, I should be really hungover because I had a lot of that last night. But like I feel kind of okay. And Tequila just, never makes me hungover. Now, bubbles will. Bubbles. The bubbles yeah. get in my yeah. head sometimes. But yeah. tequila, I think it's because it is uh, from the agave plant, and it's nutritious. That's what I'm yeah, going with. absolutely. <laughs> Might as well be antioxidants in there. For me, it's like drinking white wine. So the irony of this is really funny. But like, I think that like white wine is something I like to think I can drink a lot of without being affected. I don't think that's true. But I'm like, oh, sure, another glass of Sauvignon Blanc. Sure, why not? Low proof. No problem. Yeah, it's fine. It's like basically water, right? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I liked it, and then that's and it never left me. I just kept. Not that I, I love Amaro's, and I still drink like rye a fair amount, like here and there. But if this is my this is my go to, like when I walk into Mouton, they will hand me a glass of bubbles without asking. I like your style. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so tell me about the company, though. You teach people how to create cocktails. You'll do it in their home, at their place of business, just wherever they choose. Is that? Yeah, that's part of it. Um, so when I was at the kitchen, um, the kitchen is like a participatory dining uh, space. So it's not really a cock or it's not really a, a cooking class. It's kind of a situation where you come in and they take all the hassle out of the things that you don't like when you cook. They kind of like pre-measure the ingredients and basically it's a little chopping, it's a little sauteing. And the whole point is they want you to engage with each other. They think that like you make memories around food and around like cooking together. And so I was like, oh, you know, we could totally do this with cocktails because there was always like a gap in time where they would finish cooking. You know, you have like teams who are all dedicated to a sing single course. And so there was always, a, you know, a salad course or a soup, something that was quite easy. And people would kind of be like, da, 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 what do we do now? And so we started doing cocktail courses. And it was the idea of, you know, I'd have 
a cocktail or two different cocktails and I'd have the ingredients out and I'd have shaking tins and stirring glasses and they'd come over and it would be like maybe three at a time and I'd be like who's had a Negroni before and like it's always a challenging one right mm-hmm. like what is this pink drink I'm like no 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 that's not what it tastes like <laughs> so yeah you just kind of I would teach them how to use a jigger I would say like these are the tools these are what your tools are called like if you have a home bar, it just it's it was like a great open conversation about like, and I really got to look into people's lives and like how a lot of people felt really clueless, mm-hmm. and a lot of the information online was not digestible, and I don't know. So it was something I always like liked to do, and I'd done it a handful of times, and you know it's like somewhat lucrative, and for me it doesn't feel like work because I feel like I'm kind of throwing a party and I'm getting right. to educate, and so it's yeah, be better so. than awkward silence, <laughs> right? <laughs> So when I was trying, you know, trying to make my company a little extra cash because I love Dan and Jen. So, um, yeah, so um, it's kind of it kind of just combined all the side hustles. I really wanted them under an umbrella. Um, I wanted something I really like structure. Um, I mean, I like to bend the rules. Don't get me wrong. But like I like to start with structure sure. and then figure out how I can make that not a reality sometimes. But so, yeah, it's called Master of Manhattan. Um, and yeah, it's essentially come in, it's, you know, small groups, like 12 or less usually. And I kind of try to chat with people beforehand about, okay, wait, let me make sure I understand this. So bubbles and agave is your umbrella company. That's the company. And, and then, then I have some things underneath it. Okay. So master of Manhattan is like a, it's what I would call like an at home cocktail class. Okay. Um, so it's basically a like hands-on learning experience, um, so I chat with the host beforehand. I mean, it can be done in very, very large groups if you're more of a, like a, a watch, not not hands-on type person or depending on your experience. But I just really loved what the kitchen did. So I wanted to try to recreate that because it was really cool to see. I think as adults, we're not in as many spaces where we're learning. Um, and I always joke like booze isn't rocket science and it's nothing to be scared of. And I think that it's really easy to overcomplicate some things. And so... Um, it was really cool to in- interact with these people and they would walk away from the experience feeling like they had a little trick up their sleeve. Like, this is how you float red wine on top of a New York sour. And they're like, oh my God, I can do that at home. And I'm like, yes, it's actually quite easy. So I just That's loved amazing. that. That's great. So we have our cocktail tour, as you know, mm-hmm. but we get people asking us to do private educational sessions, which mm-hmm. we do not do. Um, so we'll definitely send those people. Send You're right. Over. Actually, yeah. I think we already did. Someone did. recently reached out, and we were yeah. like, "Oh no, you got a call." Mm-hmm. Might be someone that I'm talking to right now. I hope so. That yeah. would be great. No, that's. I think that's wonderful. Um, but I know what you what you mean when it doesn't feel like work. That's how we feel with the cocktail mm-hmm. tour because we would be in a bar anyway on a Saturday night. <laughs> so we might as well might as well mm-hmm. take some guests. And yeah, we make get to show party. them the city, and yeah, that's you totally right. should be a CTA. It makes too much sense. Yeah. Minus the direction. We're halfway part. there already, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and speaking of the Negroni, I don't know if this is just me, but uh, the Vim and Petal gin, there's something about the, the botanicals, in, and there are many of them, as you know. <laughs> there's something about the botanicals in that gin that lessens the bitterness of the Campari and makes a wonderful Negroni. Is that just me, or have you found that as well? <clears throat> No, I agree. Um, to be honest, um, when I first started working with Vim and Petal, I really loved it as a spirit. Um, but when I was working with it in classic cocktails, you know, all of our gin classics were written for London Dry. And um, 
that's cool <laughs> and everything, but like I don't have a lot of dry in my portfolio. So I had to figure out how to manipulate yet classic right? yet. I so we do have technically a London dry, but it's not ours. So we created a a London dry for A and R Creative. Um, so they have many spots all over the city. They have the crests and the market and a lot of other places. So if you enjoy London Dry and it's it's really fun. There are like some really um, exciting herbs and things in there. Mm -hmm. Unexpected. Um, you can get it at their locations and you can get it at our bottle shop too. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like fun. a fun, it's a fun thing. variant. Yeah. It's really cool. I'm pushing to do a Navy Strength London Dry. It's all I want in my life. Mm. Oh, it'd be so amazing. <laughs> like it would just be so easy. Delicious but dangerous. Right. Hello. We love Jen. <laughs> Bubbles and agave, delicious yeah. but dangerous. We love Jen, and uh, <laughs> but we accidentally got Navy Strength. Um, the Plymouth. Plymouth. Hey, Plymouth. And it'll knock your socks off, oh, but for it's sure. delicious. For sure. Well, especially in something like a Negroni. I mean, it's bitter, so you're just already, well, like your palate's already yeah, like we pumped and primed. Straight up man, mar martini. Oh, dry. oh, good Lord. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> night, I don't night. play around. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, it incorporates to other things that I really love, gin and vermouth. I love vermouth so mm. much. I could drink it on its own. Uh, Jennifer drinks uh, vermouth on the rocks sometimes. I love She's come stuff. a long way from what she drank Sweet when we started and dry. dating. Mm -hmm. We like both. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like the, uh, like the little Quintine, whatever that brand is that Cavalier has. The Quintine Royale, I believe. Carpano Antico for the sweet. Sure. Carpano Bianco. Dry. dry. Uh -huh. dry. But they're Bianco's And the good. Bianco, yeah, it is. They do. I mean, Carpano does a really, really good job. Yeah. Um, I just had, oh, man, it's not Monaco. Something else in the Cavalier portfolio, actually, that, like, kind of knocks my socks off, especially for the price point. Like, I think it's, like, PKS, poor kid syndrome in the back of my head. I'm always looking at price. Like I'm, everything is not just like what it, like, it's not just, this is the cost, but like, what is the value? And, um, which is like really annoying sometimes, but, um, gosh, I remember the brand. I'll find the brand for you. Cause yeah, I, please do. Um, Love that stuff. it's very, very good. So if we Nicole used to be like that too. Us. We would, we would get the economical spirit, mm -hmm. but then I was like, why do we well, do not that? Bad. No, just not the not, economical. Yeah. <laughs> not crystal palace gin, but no, no. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? We should just. Bite the bullet and buy what we like because we drink a lot. And it's so what we, we should, like. Yeah, we should drink. Yeah, I think that if you, I think I'm just getting to a point in my life where I feel kind of like an adult. I mean, not 100 percent by any means, but <laughs> like at 36, I'm like, okay, I don't feel this is not feel what 36 I thought it would feel like. But you know, I'm like mostly responsible. Um, I don't live paycheck to paycheck necessarily. That has a lot to do with working all the side hustles. Um, but I'm in a place where I can breathe a little bit. So I'm much more willing now to like, uh, you know, buy something It's spirit. I don't really purchase much, um, because I have like a bar of about 150 bottles, but so much of it was from like competing or like being a buyer where you get samples or whatever. And I was never a big drinker at home. Just for me, drinking is totally social. Um, so I may have literally a single cocktail once in a while but it's just not my thing so the bottles just grow and grow and grow and i remember the first time well, sounds one like of the you need a party i do <laughs> i do first one of the first times jennifer came over to my old apartment she was like so 
do, do we need to have a conversation? Like, do you have a problem? And I was like, if I had a problem, none of these bottles would be left. <laughs> so I think I'm going to be okay. Well, there's your reception then. Right, exactly. Oh, get married. Right, right. Just bring out those bottles. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And have a party. Um, but back to Vim Petal, the thing I think, um, what I found is that I kind of like do step-down recipes with the, when it comes to the classics. So if it calls for an ounce, like a Negroni. I typically push it to about an ounce and a half, and then I back down the Campari and the sweet vermouth, and it's like a significantly more balanced cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with like last words. I generally bump it up about 50% and back everything else down about a quarter. Blair does some cocktail trickery with the Negroni. What is it that you do? You do like a... Well, I, what I end up doing is splitting the Campari with Aperol. It's a nice... Mm-hmm. And then I'll add... I'll kind of top that off with Fee Brothers Orange Bitters. Oh, okay. So that's my third. It still ends up, you know, being the same proportions, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm splitting the Campari out a little I bit. I like that. It softens it a bit, probably. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's pretty delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe that. So all of your years in bartending, is there any story that you want to share with us tonight? Anything that sticks out to you or anything that you would like patrons to know um stories you don't have to name names sure um oh my gosh stories abound uh especially managing a nightclub not oh, a lot of go. grotesque though like not i, don't I mean here, just here, <laughs> so one of the ones i always think about this is terrible um i had a regular she was a lovely human she had been overserved. i cannot say it was that uncommon in that environment um, I mean, this was 10 years ago, so even less, people were paying significantly less attention to that then than now. Um, and she had several guy friends, and they were always in together, and they were really respectable guys. And um, one of them came up to my bar. I was bartending upstairs, and he said, like, she went in, and she's been in there like a half an hour. Can you please go in, in there and get her? Sure. So it's like probably like 1.30 in the morning. And I walk in and I check both. There's only two stalls. The one is clearly empty. She's clearly in the other one. I'm pretty sure she's passed out. So I like hard knock, you know, cop knock on the door. I'm like, hey, um, are you in there? And she's like, bah, you know, (laughs) yes, or something. I don't know. Zombie apocalypse. Um, And I was like, hey, we got to get you out of here. Like, um, it's time to go, you know, it was her birthday, you know, gosh, always like the birthdays that get you. And so she unlocks the door and open the door and she's standing up and this poor girl, like her pants are around her ankles. She's like on her period. Aww. Like just, I did not, you don't want to see that much of your regular no. ever. And she starts walking towards me. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 stay, no, no, stay no, where no. You are. Stay where you are. Stay where you are. And, you know, so you're like literally like pulling her pants up for her. And, you know, I think that um, that's there are a lot of stories like that. And I think that uh, it's kind of sucks because I think we've all been there. Maybe not to that level. I know I definitely have been on her level before. And you just hope that there's somebody around who like is kind enough to take care of you. Oh, I pull up Blair's pants all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a constant thing. I've seen a lot of people. Uh, I have a lot of amazing experiences, Just of course. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't supposed to tell. Or not. Um, I had a lot. I've developed some of the, some of the best friendships I've ever had. I've had some of the most 
wonderfully connective moments being behind the bar, um, getting to know people, getting to know their lives, offering them an escape from, you know, it's a lot cheaper to drink at home. They come to you because they, maybe they want an, a cocktail that they don't want to make at home or they just need to get out of the house or, you know, I joke that it's kind of escapism, but it's escapism. Whoop. Um, and I, I definitely have met some of the, the best people in Columbus and, and all over from, from being behind the stick. I think if I could tell patrons anything, it would be, you know, we're not perfect. And, uh, and bartenders and people in the hospitality work their ass off and don't get a lot of credit for it. And even now in the day and age of like the celebrity bartender and the celebrity chef, um, so much, there's so much thankless, there's so many thankless things that people do, um, to make a restaurant work. And, you know, nine times out of 10 people are there for the right reason. And, uh, just be patient. Nothing is the end of the world. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Number one rule, don't be a dick. Yeah. I hate (laughs) it when people, when, uh, people are rude to servers and bartenders, it pisses me off so much. I mean, it shows I, it shows your character for sure. If I ever see that, if you're near me and you're being rude, I'm going to buy a cheap glass of wine and spill it in your lap. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I just I love hate it. that. It's the worst. Yeah, it's it's hard to watch even now because I, I wasn't used to being on this side. You know, my night's off for Monday, Tuesday. I'd go out. I went to industry spots. Um, I was surrounded with people who were probably industry too. Um and usually was being taken care of by a friend. So, and I, that is not that different to this day. I mean, even though I have most nights, most weekends off, I mean, some weeks are nuts and I have lots of nights at night events and things, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, if you've never been in the industry, you just cannot grasp like all of the working parts. Um, I, I run social media for Middle West as well. And so, um, back when I was running service bar, service bar social media, which was about a year. Um, I'd get messages, you know, in service bars first year of inception about, you know, things that went wrong. And some of it was totally legitimate. And I would immediately like connect them to the correct person. But some of it was just like, are you freaking kidding me? You know? Um, and if you, if you're not happy with your experience, say something while you're in the building give that space an opportunity to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's once you're gone now, if they fail at the opportunity, that's one thing, but mm-hmm. it really like everybody like, so I still have the dream where I wake up in the middle of the night and like, I forget to take ranch to table 32. <laughs> like I think every, everybody who's ever served or bartended still has, I still have those dreams to this day and I haven't worked at Applebee's since I was 22. Okay. <laughs> so like, I mean, it was a long time ago, but like, you have, you know, we have those dreams because we know pride. that we miss yeah. the mark and we, you know, yeah, we do take pride. And sure. I think that like, give us the opportunity to, to fix it. That's what I would say. Like, okay. let that's, us fix it. That's good advice. We were actually in, uh, we were doing some R and D this weekend in mm-hmm. Delaware, Ohio, R&D. which is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, Ann Demick called it the short North of the North. And it really is. There's a lot I of cool stuff shocked. happening up it there. It was amazing. We but we were in this one restaurant and this, this patron, wrote this nasty gram on his bill. <laughs> he was pissed off because they didn't fill his wine glass to the top. And they were like, okay, nobody nobody fills their wine it's glass to the top. five or six ounce port. That's it. It's not a full glass of wine. Yeah. Literally, drink. like, do you want to be able to smell anything? Like, <laughs> I know. It's just, it doesn't even make sense. 
order two glasses of wine at once and have them put sure. it in one glass if that's your thing. But like, that's just Which so I'm not bizarre. judging, but I'm judging. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was just the most bizarre thing. And, and he comes in there often complaining about the exact same thing. So it's like, clearly you're not going to get what you want in this restaurant right. nor any other restaurant. Just stay home and, right. and, and fill your wine glass up to the rim and or have a conversation, a transparent conversation with your bartender and say, listen, I would really like 12 ounces of Cabernet and you have a glass that will hold 12 ounces. Cool. So charge me whatever you need to, but just know that when I order a glass, a glass means blank. Yeah. I mean, I'd be like, cool. As long as you know, I'm going to charge you appropriately. I'll do whatever you want. I used to joke, like, I don't care if somebody wants a vodka soda with a, like a pinch of dirt in it. Like I will <laughs> run out back and get them a pinch of dirt if that's how they want their vodka soda. I don't care what you're drinking. I just want to get it in your hands and I want you to be happy. Yeah. I'm not here to make your life more difficult, you know, unless you're an asshole. And then maybe I'll be like, well, right. how new can I? <laughs> but even then, yeah. I mean, people who take pride in what they do, like you don't. It's not about like revenge. I remember when, um, oh my gosh, what was that movie called? Oh, not cocktail. Waiting. Okay. The movie Waiting, and it was with like Ryan Reynolds, and it was a a, a satirical uh, kind of like what I would call like corporate turn and burn um, about a restaurant, like a restaurant about movie, whatever. So like it was like Applebee's. I think it was called Shenanigans or something. Maybe. Oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah, and yeah. so they did everything. I mean reprehensible behavior like somebody's steak fell on the floor and they or they asked they said it wasn't done correctly and they like i mean it was disgusting yeah, I and i remember people were freaked out like i talked to people and be like do you really do that I'm like no nobody does it was a fucking movie for crying out loud they were trying to make you laugh <laughs> right it was supposed to be funny but then people were just like i mean we had, i remember us having like team meetings about it like guys so the movie's out and people are really nervous and we need to be sensitive to them and i'm like it has ryan reynolds in it for crying out loud like if you're Deadpool. taking that serious <laughs> right well not yet but <laughs> well christina basham this has been a real pleasure we love you so much thank you I love we're you so guys. grateful for you taking the time out of your super busy schedule to spend a little we're, time we're with still Lena. surprised you were able oh, to. Oh, stop yes. it. Stop it. I was so, looking forward to it. Thank you, Madam President. <laughs> and best of luck in all of your endeavors. I know you're going to do great. I appreciate that. Um, but before I forget, I need to thank the appropriate people. I need to thank our uh, producer, Greg Hansberry, Woo. for being a, the best producer ever. And uh, for our original music, I need to thank the biographer. And... Remember to subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast, wherever, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Spotify, all, you name those, it. all of them. But if you could rate and review us on SoundCloud, that would be really great. Um, check out our website at ColumbusCraftCocktailTour.com for all of our events. We do have several events coming up. Um, and follow us on Instagram at what's our Instagram? <laughs> Seabus Craft Cocktail Tour. Okay, and we're also on Facebook. And also, be sure to check out uh, Bubbles and Agave. Um, where can they reach you? So um, I have a website, 
Okay. So it's bubblesandagave.com. Okay. Um, and there's like a submission, kind of a submission form through that. Um, or they can reach me at just Christina at bubblesandagave.com. Okay, wonderful. I got my own email and everything. And then drink Middle West Spirits. Yeah, do that. Uh, and if you see Christina on the street, ask her for directions. <laughs> <laughs> and history. All right. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.